Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I am your host, Tony Serino, and this is your daily dose of all things Steelers. Today on the podcast, I want to take a look at three sleepers in this draft. You know, we spent so long talking about first round picks and and where they rank and who the Steelers could take in round one and who could slip in round two. Today, I want to take a step back from that. You know, we've got we've got eight podcasts between now and the start of the NFL draft, and we're going to keep talking about guys who maybe we missed in round one or guys who may slip into round two and would be good value picks in round two or three, right? We can start talking wide receiver, tight end, defensive line, cornerback, right? A lot of guys we didn't get a chance to talk to when we exclusively were looking at first round picks. Before we get into that, today I want to take a look at three players who I think would be really good on the end of day two and into day three of the draft, kind of the sleepers of this draft. But before we do that, let's start today with some Steelers news and notes. Mike Hilton changing his number from 31 to 28. Again, this is all part of the the, the great number changing after my, Mike Mitchell uh, gets cut. What's getting lost here is that last year, Cam Sutton came in, was number 20. He had to go on IR, so his number 20 got, again, mixed into that shuffle, ended up going to Robert Golden, and now he, he's, he's stuck with 34. Cam Sutton stuck with a running back number. So what I haven't heard yet is are we giving Mike, are we giving, are we giving him back his number? Are we giving Cam Sutton back his number? Sure, Mike Hilton goes to 28, and that's cute. And Sean Davis can go to 21, and and Hayden gets to 23 again. Fine, but are we gonna are we leaving Cam Sutton stuck with 34? Can we help a guy out here? Give him back his 20. The Steelers meeting with Russell Gage, wide receiver from LSU, on an official draft visit. He's a special teamer. He's gonna be a special teamer at the beginning, no doubt about that. If he gets picked, he projects as like a late sixth, seventh round pick, maybe even undrafted. He only had 26 career catches at LSU. But get this, he had 17 special teams tackles. That's great. I mean, that's, you know, we talk about elite special teamers in college. You don't, well, you don't talk about elite special teamers in college, but Russell Gage may be that guy. Uh, interesting to see the Steelers targeting true special teamers. You know, the, the end of the draft, rounds five through seven, are players who usually want to draft a guy who's raw, who you can kind of build up to, but also they have to be able to contribute on special teams. And so Russell Gage certainly checks that, that last box of being able to contribute on special teams. And then Jarvis Landry. we got to talk about Jarvis Landry signing this contract extension with the Browns because this, this may seem funny as Steeler fans. Like, I, I can't believe that this, the Browns are paying Jarvis Landry $15 million a season, right? Jarvis Landry is a very good receiver. Don't get me wrong. Is he top five? No. Is he top 10? Maybe barely. Is he top 15? Okay, we'll put him in top 15, right? He's making $15 million a year now from Cleveland. AB makes 17 a year. AB's the best. AB's number one. AB makes $2 million a year more on average. And I get that the, you know, the market goes up and up year over year. I get that. But $15 million a year for a guy who is best in the slot? It, it's funny because it's the Browns, and it's the Browns doing Brown things. But they can afford to do this because they don't have a quarterback that they have to extend, and they don't have a, a bunch of great players that are coming up on their contract years. right? They have a ton of cap space that they can just throw around. The Steelers don't have that luxury, and the Steelers are in a, in a fight with Le'Veon Bell for this contract extension, and a, and a wide receiver like Jarvis Landry getting $15 million a year doesn't make it easier for the Steelers to say, 
yeah, we know that you know the slot receiver just got $15 million a year, but we're not paying you, the best running back in football, $15 million a year. Doesn't make it any easier, especially when Le'Veon wants to be paid like a running back plus wide receiver. Doesn't make that negotiation any easier. And I'm sure it, it, you know, the Browns didn't do this you know, to screw the Steelers or anything, but I'm sure they're not, you know, they're not displeased with the, the signal it sends to Le'Veon. And the real problem for me with this is that part of uh, the, the holding out of hope that we all had, right, was, well, you know, Le'Veon will come to his senses in July and realize he's not going to get $15 million a year from someone else, right? He's not going somewhere else and getting 15. Who's going to give him 15 a year? Come on. 17 a year even, who's giving him that? But then you look at the money getting thrown around, or, you know, Sammy Watkins making all that, making whatever he made, what was it, like $13 million a year? Jarvis Landry now making 15. I mean, Le'Veon may go somewhere else and make the money he wants to make. The only thing stopping him now is does he want to play for a winner? Because I don't know that he's going to go to a team that, that is as Super Bowl ready as the Steelers and make that money. So he is going to have, you know, he, he made that joke about wanting to $100 million from the Jets. You know, he may have to go to a team like that to get his 15 mil. But that's the only thing saving us now. That's it. Because when, when the Browns are throwing $15 million a year at a slot receiver and we're telling the best running back in football, you got to take a pick, you know, you, you, you can't make that kind of money. We got a problem. And it's not, it's not helping that negotiation in any way. All right, let's get to my sleepers of the draft. The first guy, I really noticed him when I was watching Darius Geis' tape. You know, when you watch this game tape and you watch the film, there, there are plays where they're just showing you running backs running routes, but he's not going to catch the ball or he's blocking on a passing play. So you get a little chance to see other guys. DJ Chark from LSU, the wide receiver, was one guy who stood out tremendously. And then when, on any play where Geis wasn't getting the football, it seemed to always be going to Chark. And I thought, who, who is this Chark? Who is this seven? Chark. Who is Chark? Looked him up, started watching the tape. Oh, boy, he is good. He is real, real good. He, he checks the Steelers kind of boxes for this, the type of receiver that they want. 6-3, ran a 4-3-4, big and fast. Big and fast, just like the Steelers like him. He's got good run after the catch. He's a good blocker. Did I mention he's a punt returner for LSU? I mean, you know, he fits a lot of boxes for the Steelers. He's got to improve as a route runner. He's got to improve catching in traffic. But those things don't seem to bother the Steelers, right? Those are the same kind of things that they said about Martavis coming out of college. Oh, he's got to get better with, with his hands and route running. They don't, those things don't really affect Steeler wide receivers. They come in, they fix those things, they get in. There was a, you know, ABA, I think even was, you know, he doesn't run crisp routes. And now he's like the best route runner. A lot of people have DJ Chark as a second or third round pick. I'm hoping he, he slides more towards that round three. I think that's where the Steelers could, could uh, potentially take DJ Chark. So I think DJ Chark as a third round pick, tremendous. If you got him any later than that, you got the steal. You got to steal of the draft. Next on the list is inside linebacker Sean Dion Hamilton from Alabama. If there was one word to describe Sean Dion Hamilton, it would be smart. He was the leader of the Alabama defense. He was their signal caller. He was their heart and soul in the middle of the field. He was great with play recognition, great against the run, good in coverage. We don't know his athleticism because he, he got two season-ending injuries back-to-back. 
An ACL tear ended his 2016 season. He fought back. He got healthy in time for week one of 2017, played a little bit, and then tore his meniscus, was out the rest of the season. He's six foot 230, so he's undersized. Again, he didn't run at the combine, so we don't know his 40 time. We don't know his shuttle. We don't know any of that stuff. All we have, really, is his tape, the limited tape we have from his 2016 and 2017 tape. But the tape we do have is very good. His stock will fall, no doubt about that. He won't be picked until round day three, rounds four through seven. But I think it could be a real steal. It's all going to be about whether or not he can come back from, from these injuries. And, of course, there's going to be concerns about is he going to be injury prone. But, man, if you're looking for an inside linebacker who's got the smarts, who, again, can come in, he can be good, right? I mean, he can be good right away because he's, you know, it's all going to be for him about the athleticism, about building his speed back up. Does he have that? Is that part of his game going to be lacking? Certainly the, the mental aspect of the game will be there. And then finally, running back Mark Walton out of Miami, Miami, Florida. This is the Alvin Kamara of the draft. He's a small, shifty runner, 5'9", 200 pounds. Ran a 4'6 in the 40, which I, I thought is really surprising because he flashed good speed on tape. In fact, he had a lot of plays where he ran away from the defense. He's very good out of the backfield as a catcher, makes people miss. His biggest weakness is that he doesn't take what the defense is giving him, right? He's a home run hitter, but that's kind of what I like about him. Because again, you're not going to ask him to be in every down back. You're not asking Alvin Kamara to be in every down back. The Eagles never asked Darren Sproles to be in every down back. That's not what Mark Walton's going to come into the NFL and do. So you can be okay with him trying to, to get the big play. What I really like about Walton and what, what you like about these Darren Sproles, Alvin Kamara, third down shifty running backs First of all, they have, to be, they have to be good route runners, right? They have to be able to get open. Mark Walton does that. He have, they have to be good catching the football. Mark Walton does that. But they also have to be very good in space and making people miss in tight areas. You know, 5'9", 200 pounds, if you're not, if you don't have short area quickness, if you're not good in space, if you're not good at changing direction, that kind of twitchiness that you need, if you don't have that, well, then the linebackers, once they get your hands, their hands on you, you're going down, right? You're going down. That doesn't happen with Mark Walton. He is so shifty in space. And that's that's what you like and hate about him is because sometimes it's like just hit the hole, take the three yards. But there's so many times where he's like, no, no, I got this. And he's going to try and shift, use his shiftiness to get out of there. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I, I like Mark Walton. And I think he can be a steal in this draft. You know, where he fits on this team year one is probably nowhere, right? He doesn't fit as far as a third down back that's going to see any playing time because the Steelers hate taking Le'Veon Bell off the field at all. So will, if Mark Walton gets drafted by the Steelers, it's really a projection for the life after Le'Veon era, right? And the Steelers have toyed with this in the past. You know, you go back to Chris Rainey, to Dree Archer. They've toyed with the idea of getting their own Darren Sproles, their own Alvin Kamara, their own little shifty third, run, third down back. It hasn't worked out. In, in Chris Rainey's case, it was largely due to off-the-field issues. In Dre Archer's case, I think they just got enamored with a speed guy who could also return kicks. But he was a small school guy. Again, you know, he's running a 4-2 against Division II opponents. That never was going to translate. But Mark Walton's playing in the ACC. He's playing at Miami. The stuff that he's doing on tape, I think it can translate. So again, he's not going to play year one. 
he'll have to compete with Toussaint and Ridley for that third spot spot on the roster. Shouldn't be too hard to win because, again, those guys don't really see the field that often. So you're almost stashing Walton into a spot where, okay, if we go beyond Le'Veon and now we go to a more NFL traditional style of running backs, which is running back by committee. You've got your first and second down kind of ground and pound running back. Then you've got your specialty running back who comes in on passing downs. We've seen this work all over the NFL, right? And it's pretty much every team that doesn't have the superstar. You don't have a Leonard Fournette or an Ezekiel Elliott or a Le'Veon Bell. Then you go with the, two, the two-headed monster. I think Mark Walton fits in as the, as the speed part of the size and speed equation at running back. So I like him. I think fifth, fifth round and on is an unbelievable steal for him. I think he is the Alvin Kamara of this draft, and whoever gets him is going to be very lucky to find uh, a steal as a third down runner. All right, that's going to do it for me. Thank you all for listening. If you want to leave feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com is the email address. You can find me on Twitter at SteelerCountry. Let me know who you want to hear me talk about over the next week. Remember, we only have eight of these to go before the NFL draft. So what positions, what players, let me know. Uh, I will see you on Monday for more Locked on Steelers.